Today we have with us Michael Brown, Director of Supply Chain Management, and Eric Swain, Manager of Strategic Sourcing and Vendor Management from Texas Children's Hospital in Houston to share how they are sourcing products during the COVID-19 pandemic and how they plan to continue that sourcing. Thank you both for joining us today. What strategies did you utilize to successfully source products in short supply? We had to look outside the box, but we contacted local local companies. We At that point, the Houston Rodeo had been canceled, so we, we contacted them about a bulk buy of their supplies that they had left over. Our main distributors struggled because obviously they, they weren't just getting hit by us, they were getting hit by multiple other hospitals that were, that were placing bulk orders that they just couldn't fill effectively. Today, one of the things that up front that saved us the most was, was number one, we reacted quickly, we activated our logistics command, and we really thought outside the box. On the Purell side, we're now sourcing hand sanitizer from a local company here in Houston because we can't seem to find any other source of hand sanitizer. Masks, we went from using one generic type of 3M mask to multiple different brands of masks and multiple different models. It's been a huge lift on the EHS side of the hospital to fit test and get these people prepared for, for the different products, but this organization has found a way. It's really credit to, to my team and obviously the rest of the facilities team, quite frankly, on how we've reacted quickly and you know, we've, we've got ahead of the game. And we're continuing to do that. There's no end in sight as far as the spike that's happening here in Houston currently. And we can't sit back on our laurels and just feel like we've got, quote unquote, enough gowns or enough masks or enough Purell or hand sanitizer to make it through because we really don't know what's going to happen around the corner. There are kind of two things that I think hit healthcare a lot during this. One, it forced healthcare organizations, like Mike said, think outside the box and not rely on their distributors on allocations to get them through these uncertain times because people really didn't know what their fluctuations would be. We're seeing anything from 8% to 40% increases when our census is down by 40%. And so that shifted people to look towards these other manufacturers and overseas where they didn't have necessarily a, a transportation and customs competency on staff. And so I think healthcare organizations probably really struggled with dealing with manufacturers overseas, customs, because the typical 3PLs that healthcare deals with today just, just don't deal with that. And it's not a competency that we would have on staff because we either buy through our distributors or, you know, you, you buy through the manufacturers and they're, their transportation needs are included. So I really think the game changer for us was that, that crane relationship that the hospital had and, and Mike had from a, a previous life that allowed us to kind of operationalize that flexibility. The other thing that was critical, I would say, is we got our category management team involved early. Category managers just kind of have that creative mind to them when they look at portfolios, not to look at one solution, but to look at make versus buy options on the hand sanitizer. Like, like Mike said, that was brought to our attention from them. I mean, we were, I believe, one of the first hospitals to do it within this city. I'm sure globally somebody else did it before us, but that was a game changer for us. And then, 
you know, our relationship with some of these other departments to operationalize some of this stuff, like wire transfers with our finance team was extremely critical. When you start to think about some of these overseas transactions, you can't do that overseas transactions when you're uh, paying for a lot up front or a majority for it up front. So setting that up with the finance team was extremely beneficial. Talk about how you were able to justify transferring that kind of money using the incredible vetting process you had. If you think about a manufacturer's operation, it comes down to line time and then the amount that they're producing. And with the demand so high in the world, people were bidding on line time. So manufacturers that they've never met before, never even seen, don't even know if their companies exist. So I, I can imagine across the nation and within Texas Children's, there was automatically a high level of angst when we started to investigate some of these opportunities that were just coming by LinkedIn, emails randomly to our executive leadership. I mean, every nook and cranny in the United States and in the world were, were getting these emails. We knew we had to do it because we knew the supply chain within the country wasn't, wasn't stable enough. Maybe it would be stable enough to get us week by week, but we knew if we wanted to be in a comfortable spot to where we could sleep at night without thinking about gowns and masks, and we really needed to start doing some bulk buys. When we got these inquiries, there were, there were two kind of vetting processes. One was with Crane, which I kind of title as the secret sauce this because I just without them I don't know how we would have pulled off a lot of these uh, third-party vettings but what would happen is, is the broker and typically it was a broker to the manufacturers the manufacturers weren't emailing us directly um, but the broker would reach out and say I've got a million masks or a million gowns or whatever and we'd ask them for the manufacturers information the address the name of the company and the FDA certification which was really step one once they sent that and we validated that the FDA cert didn't look counterfeit and was real, we would CC our customs broker in who dealt with our customs and transportation needs that were coming in internationally. And we asked them to vet the company, the manufacturer, since we knew nothing about the overseas company, which was typically in China, and multiple manufacturers. And what they would do is they would CC their office in overseas within China and ask them to vet out these companies. So they would, within 24 hours, I remember going to sleep, waking up at 4.35 in the morning and having an email in my inbox about the financial standing of that manufacturer, if that company exists. And they would even do drive-bys to make sure, one, the warehouse was there, and two, if they would let them into the building, they would actually take pictures of the product. So now I've confirmed that this isn't fraudulent, that this manufacturer exists, that this product exists even, um, and this company is in good financial standing and not in a lot of debt. So that was step one. Step two was how do we vet the broker? So even if this product's real, how do we know that the brokers, that they're professional and uh, we've never really done business with the broker as well. So we had our treasury team come up with a bit of a vetting process, which included us asking for a letterhead with the bank information on it. And this bank information couldn't be just Wells Fargo and then the general number to Wells Fargo as an example, it had to be a branch. And so what we would do is once they sent that letter, our treasury team would call that branch and they would verify that this broker's company actually existed and they would in fact 
we're in good standing. Now, of course, sometimes we had to receive approval from the broker to give to the bank to release some of this information, but most of the time, if they were trying to do these orders and they were in good financial standing, they would give us approval. So after we got through those two steps and everything is good, and we nailed down lead times, pricing, and quantities, that's when we would get the approvals through the wire transfers, which was the other critical piece was actually successfully doing these wire transfers that we would do within a day. But it allowed us to be very nimble, supply chain, make decisions on the fly. And we, to date, uh, knock on wood, have not run into any fraud. All of the product that we've ordered has made it. And, you know, I'm not going to say we haven't had any issues with customs because I think everyone has had issues with customs. We've been extremely successful to date, and we're at a point in our inventory levels where we're not losing sleep that much every night over some of these critical PPE items. You know, it's, it's incumbent on any organization's supply chain, regardless of whether you're large or small, to have leadership and have clear communications with the leadership teams on what is going on and what they need to expect going down, going down the road. Because you need to have strong support from the C-suite. You need to have not just as much as you need relationships outside the organization, you need the relationships with the C-suite who are going to make the decision. How would you recommend hospitals begin working with international logistics companies? It has to be the hospital folks picking up the phone uh, and not taking no for an answer. They, they need to set up some sort of relationship with an international uh, freight provider that even if they only use three or four times a year, that they have that trusted source. Because if it comes down to it and you, you know what's hitting the fan, those freight providers are going to be very busy helping out all their customers. So it's good to get that relationship. It's good to get that in place and, and have that trusted resource. It wasn't even so much freight broker, too. It was like customs analyst. Customs, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. You, with all of that stuff changing, and why would you hire that, too, like if that's not your core business? Because every couple of years, depending on this country's, you know, president, and those, those things might change. And so it's very dynamic. So that's something that people would typically give to someone else. But to echo Mike's point, there are a lot of companies out there we were lucky we had the relationships so we could move quickly and they were flexible. But I'm confident, just like in every other industry where you're sourcing a service or product or software, there are those companies that have the business models that they won't deviate from. And then there are companies that are flexible. And you just got to find the one that works for you. Some people might prefer a business model that is, you know, this or, or nothing. But in this case, we need flexible and that's, that's what we got. Since you've been sourcing from new manufacturers and suppliers, how will you continue to diversify? I think the main point is going direct. Um, Not through a distributor. Yeah, because, you know, and if and local is the preference, the challenge with local is we're still, healthcare is still, you know, in financial crises now and before. You know, margins are lower. We still have a need to save money. So on one side, I'm in a meeting to save money for the budget. And then this other meeting I'm, I'm in is to make sure we have enough PPE. So in one meeting, your, your sense is to let international suppliers bid on stuff because you can drive, you know, gowns to 
I don't know, 10 cents to 15 cents a gallon, but then in on the U.S., you'll be paying probably over a dollar, maybe even over two, but you have the stability. So I think that will be the toughest part for us is what when do we source locally versus internationally? When does that become a primary or secondary situation? There's still a place, obviously, for distributors within our operation. We're never going to go to a model where we're 100%, or, or at least now, my opinion is we'll never go to a model where we're never relying on a distributor because they bring so much value to our operation and stability for a large portion of our products, even though a lot of those products are, are commodity, um, commodity items. Where I think the, the, the differentiators will be is a lot of the, the specialty care items, obviously, which a lot of people already buy direct or put on consignment or, you know, don't put through their distributors uh, because those are kind of our, you know, our ORs, our cath labs, or more critical locations. And then there's going to be items that um, I would say are on the frequent hit list of back orders either every year we consistently run into issues with or if we're in a bind that we're always going to need. Those items are gloves, those items are gowns, those items are linen, right? When you get into emergency management situation, you still need to launder your linen. You need to have uh, enough laundry linen. You need to have some reusable gowns possibly. You're going to always need gloves. And so there, there's a list of those things that it just makes sense for us to be self-sustaining. So we'll start with the stuff that we know that was impacted by this pandemic that I just described, we'll get self-sustaining there, which we're well on our way. And then we'll pause, we'll say, was that successful? And if it was, can we take an, a next step in the self-sustaining direction? Is this the right path? And we'll go from there, just like we've done with everything else. So I'm not sure I have like the perfect list of what that scope would be, which is what I'm hoping my team will directionally work with the clinicians to figure out because it's probably different by area, honestly. Um, and then we'll uh, we'll go from there. But I but I do think industry wide, I would not be surprised if people move away from the just in time model or at least move to a where they have a small warehouse facility with some supply. I mean we're we're in a hurricane zone. That by itself warrants us to have a warehouse, but I'm sure this was eye-opening for, for a lot of organizations. The product's really not your product unless you have it, even if it's in a distributor's warehouse. Michael and Eric, thank you very much. We look forward to hearing about your future success with your diversified vendors.